Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujiadine. Today is Friday, May 12th. Coming up, Alex Abreu loves calling Kansas City home, or at least he used to. But as legislators pass an abundance of anti-trans bills in Kansas and Missouri, he now feels differently. I truly just don't feel safe here. I don't feel like if I were to be in a situation um, where I could be harmed, that I would have the support of my law enforcement as well as my government. We'll learn why Abreu left Missouri. Plus, the story of a Kansas City man whose friendship with a bird changed his life. I'm convinced that she came to me looking for safety and companionship, which was the two things that I really needed because it's lonely and scary to be out here. And I didn't know anybody. You, You have to keep your circle of trust really small. But first, some headlines. The family of a black man who was killed by Independence Police last year have announced a federal lawsuit against the city. KCUR's Lawrence Brooks IV has more. After a police chase ended in Tyree Pryor Sr. crashing and becoming trapped in his car, two Independence officers shot Pryor a total of 15 times. Pryor's family has filed a $25 million wrongful death lawsuit against the city of Independence and the two officers, Jamie Welsh and Hunter Soule. Attorney Harvey M. Daniels said they decided to bring the lawsuit after the Jackson County prosecutor declined to file charges in the case. It was shocking when they killed a man defenseless. We can send a message to independence, police reform. If the state, the legislation won't change, if Congress won't change it, maybe if you break them enough, the insurance company may have to change the reform. The family says the FBI and Department of Justice are also investigating the shooting. The Kansas City Council approved a resolution yesterday that declares the city a safe haven for gender-affirming care. The action came just a day after the Missouri legislature passed a ban on gender-affirming care for minors. J.D. Basares serves on Kansas City's LGBTQ commission. We wanted to be sure that kids and trans adults have access to health care. Uh, we believe it's a human right and that, you know, the state nor anyone else for that matter should legislate health care. The policy applies to city staff and agencies. It directs staff to not prosecute or penalize someone for seeking gender-affirming care. We'll be back after this. You listen to Kansas City Today every day because we're your local, reliable news source. You take us seriously. But now it's time to have some fun. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host Ari Shapiro is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org radioactive. A slew of anti-trans legislation in Kansas and Missouri is driving some transgender residents out of the state. As drastic restrictions have become law, people are literally packing their bags and leaving, becoming what some are calling political refugees. KCUR's Beck Shackleford Wanganga brings us a profile of one of them. Alex Abreu loves Kansas City. He says the city raised him, a transgender man, and taught him what it meant to be proud of his identity. Abreu has spent over a decade building his community. To him, Kansas City used to feel like a sanctuary, a small, progressive piece of the Bible Belt. 
But now that's changed. I truly just don't feel safe here. I don't feel like if I were to be in a situation um, where I could be harmed, that I would have the support of my law enforcement as well as my government. In recent years, on both sides of the state line, extreme legislation targeting transgender people has become the latest face of the anti-LGBTQ movement. In Missouri, health care for trans youth and adults is under attack. A sweeping emergency order by Attorney General Andrew Bailey was blocked until later this summer. But this week, the legislature passed laws restricting trans youth from receiving gender-affirming health care or participating in sports that align with their gender identity. In Kansas, trans women are barred from women's bathrooms, locker rooms, and other gender-specific areas. Trans girls are banned from participating in women's and girls' sports. For Abreu, this is the last straw. He recently packed his bags and left Kansas City to make a home in a safer place, Denver, Colorado. He says he doesn't want to spend tax money in a state that won't support him. And I don't want to live my life in fear. I don't want to be, um, you know, making arrangements to go and get my hormones out of state. Abreu isn't the only one leaving. Lee Zuvinich, a transgender man living in Kansas City, says he's seen countless posts online from trans people afraid of losing their health care and wanting to move away. This led him to create a GoFundMe page and co-found an organization called Transitional Justice to help secure temporary housing in sanctuary states. Zuvinich says LGBTQIA families like his have been entertaining conversations about moving for years, but now he feels he might not have a choice. It just, it's so much more intense because these laws are passing. Every other year they got struck down, but now families that I know all over the country are having to scramble to figure out what to do. Some people, like Abreu, are well on their way to leaving town or have packed up and left. But there are a lot of people that don't have this option. Nyla Foster is a Kansas City activist, creative, and black trans woman. She says the ability to move is a privilege. For the folks who are still here, who are, who are able to fight, or who are aware and and are connected, you know, it's really important to think about those who don't have the ability to, to just up and move. Foster says for the first time ever, she's afraid. She works in Kansas and worries about how the bathroom ban will affect her. Republicans overrode Democratic Governor Laura Kelly's veto to pass the bill on April 27th. Foster is also concerned for other trans people of color who have been getting by day to day, sometimes just in survival mode. Now she says they're in imminent danger. And if they can't go to the bathroom or get gender affirming care, if they can't get the medication that they need to affirm themselves, how are they able to do anything? Back in Alex Abreu's driveway last week, he was trying to stuff his Chevy Malibu with as many of his things as possible. Uh, so I've never packed it yet. And the whole time I've been doing this, I'm like, whoa. How much will fit? Yeah, I have no idea how this is going to go down. <laughs> Abreu says he's sad about the move, but he's ready to say goodbye. I don't feel like I'm pulling teeth and I'm driving away from something at this point that, uh, that I love and that loves me back. From hundreds of miles away in Denver, Abreu says he'll keep fighting for the rights of trans people in Kansas City, part of a group of people he loves, and a community he will miss. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Beck Shackleford Wanganga. Brush Creek, running through the center of Kansas City, has a bad reputation. 
But after the second time Dave Hughes was robbed on the street, he found a relatively secure place to live under the Rock Hill Bridge. He was scared and lonely, but a bird without a flock befriended Hughes, opening up a rich new relationship with the wildlife on Brush Creek between Troost Avenue and Oak Street. KCUR's Frank Morris spoke with Hughes there. But the first thing that I missed when I became homeless was uh, having a pet. I just, I've always loved animals. Ever since I was a little kid, I always had pets. It just feels really good to make a connection with an animal of any kind, and not having a pet was a real problem for me. I started staying here the day after Thanksgiving 2020. But maybe, uh, let me think, two weeks after I came over here, uh, my friend and I were sitting on the bench up there. He just got real excited and grabs me and goes, that is an Egyptian goose. And he, you know, points to this black bird that was in the midst of all these Canada geese. She really stood out. And uh, I guess she saw me watching her because after about, you know, like a week, I woke up one morning and I'm on my side facing the creek. And my space where I sleep is, you know, right next to the water. I look in the water and there frequently would be a lot of fish and a few ducks just cruising by. But this what I had been told was an Egyptian goose was right there floating and looking at me, just sitting there floating and looking at me. Her name was Ahmed because we thought she was an Egyptian goose. So we gave her what to me sounded like an Egyptian name. And she didn't want to, she didn't want to be alone. It seemed like a lot of the time. I'm convinced that she came to me looking for safety and companionship, which was the two things that I really needed because it, it's lonely and scary to be out here. And I didn't know anybody. You, you have to keep your circle of trust really small. And she would just sit there facing me, making sure everything was cool. And she'd spend the night there with me. And then in the morning when I'd get up, she'd get up, jump in the water and do what, whatever ducks do in the water. And by that time I had figured out she's not an Egyptian goose. She's a Muscovy duck. Uh, and I built her a little house. You can't, it's actually still there. And that seemed to, that seemed to comfort her a lot. And when I began to gradually not have to stay here anymore, I would come back every morning. And when she would see me, she'd make a beeline for me. She still totally wanted to hang out, you know, but she didn't want to be here because I think she didn't feel safe anymore. I think safety was a paramount concern for her. And then on the 9th of March, uh, 2022, she, I got there and she was gone. And that was, a, I believe it was a Monday. And I would come back every day just to sort of maybe look, see if she's around. I walked up and down the creek. And then I just began to do that every day. And I began to really, really get in touch with uh, what birds are here, what they're doing. And it's, uh, it's like this gift that she gave me. There's a Great blue heron right there. See him in the trees? The most elegant, beautiful birds. I could just watch these things all day. I, I, yeah, in fact, that's, I think that's the old timer. That's what I call him. Cause he's been around for a while. He's a little ragged looking. Oh my gosh, there's a pair of wood ducks under there too. Yeah, oh, well that is so cool. I've seen uh, pie-billed grebes, northern shovelers, blue-winged teals. I saw a whole flock of blue-winged teals last week. Um, bald eagles, an osprey, blue herons, green herons. 
a whole variety of ducks. Wintertime is like weird duck season. It's a blue jay. Uh, just this morning I saw a brown thrasher. And I didn't know any of this stuff until, to my mind, Ahmed gave me this gift of seeing how what birds do, what their whole gig is. Because everybody, they're just there everywhere. You don't really think about it. But there's this entire world, love, death, reproduction, everything going on all around you. And you don't really realize it until you just kind of stop and look at it. That's Dave Hughes, who spent much of the pandemic living next to Brush Creek, in a story produced by KCUR's Frank Morris. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Beck's story about Alex Abreu and Frank's story about Dave Hughes, visit KCUR.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.